This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well. Thank you very much for tuning in to the recent episodes. I hope you've enjoyed them. There was, of course, the Malta and Macedonia review. There was another in the Your England Journey series. This time I spoke with Matt about his trip to Qatar which I still can't get over. It was just a year ago. Yes, how time flies. Uh, There was also the Under-17 World Cup episode, which I released as our Young Lions were just beginning their group stage. They'd beaten New Caledonia and Iran. Now, they would lose their last group match 2-1 to Brazil, But they still progressed to the round of 16 and they played Uzbekistan, who had finished third in Group B. uh, And they'd gone through as being one of the, or they were the third best third place team with one win, one draw and one defeat to their name, scoring five and conceding five. Unfortunately... This was where England's Indonesian journey came to an end. They lost 2-1 and were on the next flight home. Any level is a learning curve, so hopefully they can kick on from that both domestically and internationally. And we'll see some of them again in the very near future. However, this episode we are looking at our Lionesses, as they are in action in their last two games of this, an interesting Nations League campaign. Coming up, England will be facing the Dutch at Wembley on the 1st of December, and Scotland away at Hampden Park on the 5th. I'll soon be joined by Rich Laverty to mull it all over, including the squad that Serena announced on Tuesday the 21st of November. I will also be paying tribute to Terry Venables, who, as I'm sure you are aware, recently passed away. Now, the Nations League, it is still a group to be decided. I think the only definites are Scotland can't finish top and the Dutch can't come bottom. As it stands, the Netherlands are top with nine points. Belgium, second with seven. We are third with sixth and Scotland are bottom with one point. I'm sure you remember the last round of matches which took place in late October where we won 1-0 against Belgium in Leicester and then took the short trip for the away game in Louvain in Belgium where we were 1-0 down then 2-1 up, only to lose 3-2 with five minutes to go. 
So our record against our upcoming opponents is as follows. The Netherlands, we have played 11, won 7, lost 2 and drawn 2. Our last meeting, of course, was in September in Utrecht, where we lost 2-1, a last-minute Janssen goal, getting all three points for the Dutch there, I'm sure you remember. Scotland played 19, won 18, drawn none, lost just the once. And in this campaign, we beat Scotland 2-1 in the opening league match, Nations League match, where all the goals came in the first half up at Sunderland's Stadium of Light. Now, finishing top is still a possibility. Beat the Dutch at Wembley, and it puts us joint top. But they do have a goal difference of plus five over us. And that is mainly because of their 4-0 victory over Scotland. Uh, And if we do beat them... We have to then beat Scotland and hope Belgium beat them away. Although Belgium themselves know that if results go their way in both games, they can also qualify. It really is still all to play for. Of course, first place is that qualification for the Nations League finals in February next year. And the possible Olympic place comes into view. Finish second, that means that a League A position is secured for the next Nations League. Third place is a spot in the relegation playoffs where a League A team would face a second placed League B nation. Again, in February, finish fourth and that is automatic relegation. Whatever happens, I am fairly confident that the Lionesses will be playing two matches, although where, when and who remain to be seen. But they will be playing two matches in February of next year. Okay, then, that squad that Serena selected is as follows. It's a a 23-player squad with an average age of 254 896 caps across it and 160 goals. I have it here. Three goalkeepers, Mary Earps, Hannah Hampton, Kiara Keating. Defenders, Millie Bright, Lucy Bronze, Jess Carter, Neve Charles, Alex Greenwood, Maya Letizia, Esme Morgan, Lottie Wubenmoy, Grace Clinton, Fran Kirby, Georgia Stanway, Ella Toon, Kira Walsh, Katie Zellum, and then up front, Rachel Daly, Lauren Hemp, Lauren James, Chloe Kelly, Beth Mead, and Alessia Rousseau. It is a squad six from Chelsea, five from Manchester City, four from Manchester United, three from the Arsenal two from Barcelona and one each from Tottenham, Bayern Munich and Aston Villa. Obviously, it is great to see Beth Mead return to the fold, someone who we've desperately missed of late. 
It was great to see her back on the score sheet for Arsenal recently when she scored two uh, against West Ham. Now, since the squad was announced, Captain Millie Bright has since withdrawn because of a knee injury. Uh, you may know she missed um, she missed Chelsea's game against Paris Saint-Germain, I think it was. Uh, and also I saw when Chelsea played Liverpool on the telly. She was sitting on the bench then. Uh, but as one Millie departs, another one comes in. Millie Turner um, has been called up. Millie Turner from Manchester United. Now, these games will be the first that Millie Bright has missed for the Lionesses since the goalless pre-World Cup match against Portugal. Uh, And that was actually the last time that both Bright and Leah Williamson didn't appear in an England team. Millie Turner, though, she has yet to appear for the Lionesses in a senior match. So joins Chiara Keating and Grace Clinton as potential debutants if the case arises. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Rich Laverty. Hi, Rich. Hi, mate. Okay. Yes, all good. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us again. Um, last time we spoke was was just before those two Nations League games. Uh, it was the double header against Belgium. One went our way, one went the way of Belgium. How did you sort of look back on that? Uh, disappointing. I, I, I don't know. I just think England haven't quite found their stride in probably the whole of this year, to mm. be honest. Even the World Cup, there was little. I mean... It's a difficult one because they set their standards so high, you know, 12 months ago when they won the Euros. And yeah, I, I just feel like it's a bit of a continuation that things have become a little bit bit stale, a bit predictable. Like, don't get me wrong, England have still done enough to win the games that they've lost. And sometimes it's been poor finishing. Sometimes they've played against a very good goalkeeper. Sometimes it's been the odd individual error at the back and the things that you can iron out. but. Yeah, it didn't feel like a huge shock that that they dropped the points that they have because things have just become like I said a little bit bit ponderous maybe in the way we're playing. Um, I mean, the UEFA Nations League has had the desired effect in terms of yeah competition it's thrown up, and and I think from that point of view it's been great, and and obviously it's yeah it's must win now for England which is not a situation they've been in too often when you think about what are essentially qualifying games um yeah it'd be interesting to see how they react you know this team's not been very used to losing in the next sorry the last 18 months so yeah it's just yeah i just think things need a little something needs a spark someone needs a spark i don't know but yeah it's um something's not quite clicked well you say something or someone needs to spark um it's, it's, it's great to see beth mead return to the squad perhaps she'll be the perhaps she'll be that that spark after she's sort of eased her way back into arsenal um scored a couple of goals but on on the flip side it's it's slightly unfortunate that we've lost millie bright isn't it yeah sort of the lord giveth and the lord taketh away <laughs> yeah. um 
Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one. I mean, I said this during the World Cup, like, don't get me wrong, like, you're going to miss your golden boot winner and, and also the player that got the most assists at the, at the Euros. But, you know, England have got a lot of attacking talent. You know, you've got Lauren Hemp, you've got Chloe Kelly, you've got Lauren James, you've got Ella Toon, you've got Russo, you've got Daly. Like, they shouldn't be missing Beth Mead. Like, I know that sounds great, but they shouldn't be. Like, no, I get they, they should be able to win the games that that they're not winning without her. Um, it's a boost, of course, to have a back. I, I don't think we can we can put a humongous like expectation on it. You know, she's going to be in a very different place to where she was twelve months ago. Um, and I think we ease her back in. But yeah, Millie's a loss because defensively, England have looked very shaky. Um, they haven't looked like they've gelled. Um, Millie is, you know, one of those sort of consistent rocks at the back. So to not have her within that is not ideal for what are two tough games. Um, it obviously always presents an opportunity for somebody, but yeah, it's a, it's a big blow. Um, but, you know, it's football, isn't it? Players get injured. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, look, England, England still have enough talent within their squad to get through these games and get the results that they need. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's not ideal. Are we like from what you're saying there? Do we do we think that there needs to be some some newer faces or or perhaps a change in direction or, or formation from Serena to incorporate some of the the players that maybe haven't had so many games? I'm thinking like your your male Leticia, who's like just just a couple of caps. Esme Morgan. Um, five caps to her name. Um, Grace Clinton obviously came into the the squad last month. Um, didn't get a, a bit of match time. But is it time to start blooding some of these players, or it, are the two games coming up too big um, to to blood them? It's a bit of a catch twenty two, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly the term I was going to use because it. In the past, look, we're still in this kind of condensed post-COVID schedule where we end up having the Euros, the World Cup, and the Olympics essentially all in back-to-back. Yeah. So there's no, there's been no respite, you know, where you just have that sort of qualification campaign where you're playing Luxembourg or Liechtenstein, and, and even that's a catch twenty-two because. You can play your Maya Letitiaes and your Grace Clintons and Tara Keatons in games like that, but you're not going to learn a massive amount about them. Um, whereas in these games you are, because look, when you get to a World Cup, when you get to European Championships, you're going to be playing teams like the Netherlands. But you're right in that it's a hard game because every game now, those qualifiers are gone. You know, you're not going to be playing, you know, you're not going to be beating Latvia 20 nil again anymore. It's always going to be the, the Nations League. So, you're right. It, you probably need some friendlies in there somewhere. And obviously, if England don't make the Nations League finals, then maybe they can have that opportunity in in February or or obviously in April, whenever Arnold Clark and things like that end up, depending on Nations League schedules, um, to do that. But yeah, you're right. It, it's these are not the games to do it. You know, to throw a young kid in and and sink or swim kind of thing because it's probably not fair. But I think Lauren James being back is important as well. I think, you know, she is, I mean, she's been in unbelievable form the last couple of weeks for Chelsea as well. She's the joint top scorer in the, the WSL. And 
you kind of don't judge Lauren James as a goal scorer. She's not a number nine, but she's just different. You know, she's a, an absolute, she can do anything. Um, so I think having her back in, back fit, in really good form coming into these games is even bigger than having Beth Mead coming back in. And I think Lauren Hemp's found a little bit of form at Man City in the last few weeks. You know, she scored a really good goal against Tottenham. She scored a worldie against Man United the week before. Mm. Chloe Kelly is coming back into a bit of form. Russo, maybe not the goal scoring form, but, you know, we know that her game is a little bit more than just goals. Rachel Daly, you know, finding a bit of form at a Villa. So, Hopefully the attackers are sort of even Ella Toon, you know, I think Ella's had a quiet period in a, an England shirt, but you know, she she got the two assists for the Man United goals the other day at Bristol. So all the attackers are coming in and in good form, um, which is a positive. So but yeah, I think I think it's hard to put the younger ones in now. I think and I have this conversation time and time and time and time again where people say about well, what's the point of calling them up? We are 90 minutes. You know, these camps last for weeks. You know, they're on camp now. You know, they don't play till Friday and they'll train today and they'll train tomorrow and they'll train on Thursday. Do you know what I mean? So like they, they, they see these players every minute of every day. We see them for 90 minutes. So, you know, they'll still learn so much about Kiara Keaton and Grace Clinton and Maya Letizia and people like that. Even if they don't get on the pitch, you know, that's just what we see. So. It bugs me a little bit when people say, oh, it's pointless calling them up. It's not, you know, it's, they'll learn a massive amount both ways. So, but yeah, it, it's, it's difficult now to find that window because everything's got something riding on it. And if they get through, if they go and win these two games, which I still think England are more than capable of doing, they're into the Nations League finals. And then you get to February and you're like, well, that's not an ideal time because suddenly you've got a trophy on the line and then you get to the summer and, you're going to have a Team GB at the Olympics where obviously the the pool becomes even narrower because you can only pick 18 players and, and you've thrown another three countries into the equation. So that's the point you're really now relying on. Your, so hopefully maybe after, but even after next summer, you know, you've got Euros again in 2025. Yeah. It's like we just won the Euros and the next like 18 months away. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a mad period, obviously still coming off the back of all the COVID stuff, but they'll learn plenty about these young players being there even if they don't get on the pitch and and eventually they'll be they'll be ready to it's just time yeah no important perspective to have that i think they they see more than than we do um i just want to touch on on mary Earps. this last week um she has won the the bbc goalkeeper of the year um award to be i guess to go alongside a, a golden gloves and a uh, she won the was it the 2002 I think Player of the Year I think was it a FIFA award I think um, that's good for obviously for her for 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 England for for Manchester United and for any wannabe goalkeepers as well isn't it Yeah, I, I've got kind of two perspectives on it in terms of yes, you're right. It, it, you know, Mary has really I think increased the profile of goalkeeping in the women's game in this country in terms of I mean she came from nowhere really like you know she was at Donny Bells and Bristol and Reading and you know she went off to Wolfsburg and everyone was kind of a bit like well, you know okay yeah she you know she'd be the number two and 
And she was, you know, she didn't really play at Wolfsburg, but I think she probably developed, and again, comes back to what I just said about the kids with England, you know, she probably developed a lot just from training um, in such an, you know, you players like Alex Pop and things like that that you're up against in training every day. And and she came back to Man United and you were a bit like, well, you know, let's see how it goes. And and she's gone from strength to strength. And and even, you know, just the campaigning, you know, the stuff about the the, the shirt selling and whatnot, I think, has brought a lot of attention. So you're right in the sense of yes, I think it's it's put a lot of eyes on goalkeeping in England, and it's risen the level as well. You know, you look at the some of the keep. You know, Ellie Roebuck not even getting in the squad now. Yeah. Um, I think Ellie's a, a tremendously talented young keeper, but on the flip side, I have to say I didn't agree with her winning it. I think it should have been Itana Bomati by a country mile, but it is a fan vote, and it's a, it's the BBC, so there's always going to be yeah. A slight, probably English contingent voting compared yeah. to any country, and and yeah, sometimes you have to take van votes for what they are. Um, nothing against Mary because she did have a very very good year. Um, but yeah, I think uh, for most people, I think Bonmati was uh, was probably the number one. But I, I hope it doesn't take anything away from from what Mary has achieved. No, absolutely. Um, I, I watched her. Which they're being presented with a trophy on, it was probably on the BBC website, and she gave a little speech. I was, I was disappointed she didn't bring in her. Was it was be she had she won an award a few years back, and it might have been the FIFA one to be un was it unashamedly yourself or something? Um, she she does put on a good speech usually though. Yeah, she does. She yeah. does. Um, well, let's let's just cast our mind back over the year. I mean, you mentioned that the. Uh, at the beginning, the Arnold Clark Cup, there was the finalissima um, that that England won on on penalties, a bit, and of course the journey to the to the World Cup final. It's been a year that that's crammed quite a lot in for the Lionesses, hasn't it? Yeah, like I said, I mean it's just been that crazy schedule where we came straight out of the Euros and all the euphoria and reaction to that, and then it was kind of like, wow, there's a World Cup in like ten months, and yeah. The World Cup was strange, really, because I didn't feel performance-wise that England potentially deserved to get as far as they did. I think they rode their luck at times, but yep. at the end of the day, they got to a final, and, and I don't think they would have done that a few years ago. I think they had that mentality of, we're not going to get beat, you know, we're going to get through this, and I certainly don't think they had that until Serena came in. Um and that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's not always about what you do on the pitch. And, you know, football is is sometimes just what's what's in your head. And they had that mental strength to get through. You know, they fell behind against Colombia. You know, they went to penalties and down to 10 players against Nigeria. And Australia equalised and, you know, had the momentum. And, and they saw through all those tests. And, and that's not coincidence at the end of the day. So, but yeah, I think they didn't quite do enough against Spain. I think, you know, Spain were were the deserved winners. Um England didn't do enough in that final. And it was probably the right outcome. But yeah I think if you reflect on a year where like you say you get to a World Cup final, you can't ever look at it negatively. Um but yeah, these next couple of games now are pretty important because it defines what the next sort of six to eight months looks like in terms of obviously whether you're in the the Nations League finals in in February and and obviously more so, you know, will we have a Team GB at, at the Olympics or not? It'd be a shame if we didn't. 
from a welfare fitness point of view, it might not be the worst thing in the world because I right. think a lot of players are, are probably running on a bit of empty at the minute. But look, I, I'm also absolutely sure if you asked all of them, do you want to be at the Olympics next summer? I'm sure they'd all say they would um, because it's the Olympic Games. But we'll see. Yeah. And um, obviously, I mean, if they stayed where they are, the, the groups are so close. If they stay in third, they're, they're in a relegation playoff in February. So... There's uh yeah, there's a lot at stake depending on where you finish in this group. And if you finish second, you can you can probably have a few weeks off or just play a few friendlies. That's that's pretty much how I saw it. Yeah. So it's the Netherlands at Wembley on the first of December, then Scotland away at Hamden on the fifth. Are they are they games that you're gonna be attending? I'm not just based on my scheduled at the minute. Um, I did actually want to try and get up to Scotland, but I've got an academy game at, at Chef that day. So I think there'll be good games. I really do. I, I think the Netherlands game away, Netherlands are a good team. Of course they are. Mm. You know, Viviana Miedemar's back in the squad now as well, but uh, I think they'll regret that one a lot just because they were really on top in that second half. Daphne van Domsela made some great saves and then... It was a very uncharacteristic error from Alex Greenwood right at the end. You know, Greenwood's probably in the reckoning to be England's player of the year just based on how she played at the World Cup. I still think she was England's best player at the World Cup. Um, yeah, and even if they got a point, you know, without that error at the end, but, you know, they probably should have got three for the chances they created. So, but it does give you that optimism if, if they play the same way that, that they will and, I think being at Wembley's big as well. Like England seem to have struck a real affinity with playing at Wembley. It doesn't seem to affect them. You know, they beat the USA there. They won the the finalisima there, obviously earlier in the year. And and yeah, it seems to bring out the best of them playing at Wembley. And it's a big pitch, obviously. It'd be a massive crowd, and the crowd will know what it's what's at stake. Um, so yeah, even just being at Wembley. I, makes me confident that England will win that game. I think they'll come out flying. Um, and if they come out flying at Wembley, they're a hard team to stop, especially if they get the first goal. And Scotland would be an interesting one because, again, it's another big occasion. You know, it's Hamden Park. It's a rivalry. You know, I'm sure the home fans will be be up for it. And no people have said about, you know, obviously, ironically, Scotland could probably kill their own chances of, of being at, at the Olympics next yeah. year. But, there's bigger thing, you know, they don't want to get relegated either. Um, and they're in the relegation spot at the moment. So I think they'll definitely be uh, be out to beat England, A, for the, the bragging rights, but B, they don't want to get relegated to League B because um, it just makes your path to the Euros even harder. Um, they are obviously missing a few key players. Obviously, Kazweer, you know, did her ACL, which was a massive shame. Like, Kazweer was probably one of the players of, of the year. For me, for what she was doing at Real Madrid, um, young Emma Watson, who you know is probably heir to the throne in some respects for Kazweer, is, is obviously another one on the ACL list. So yeah, they're missing a few key players. Um, I think again, England will be will be confident if they're on it, they can get the results. So yeah, they're in a tough position, but I do genuinely believe England will still win the group. I just think that Wembley. The Wembley effect will be enough. I think they will genuinely come out flying on Friday night. And hopefully if they take that confidence into Scotland, I think they'll get the two wins that they need. Positivity. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Looking forward to the games. Um, with yourself, though, um, obviously you're 
at Sheffield United as well, but I'm I'm noticing as well that there. Well, I know that there is the um, there's the winter break coming up in the WSL. Uh, does that give you a little bit of respite, personally? Not at Sheffield United right now. There's no respite. No, obviously <laughs> we've got a lot. We've got a lot going on. Um, but yeah, it's um, the, the club's dealing with with obviously what's going on um, with things that are obviously well publicised at the minute. So. Uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of a break coming up now. Um, we've got we've not played this weekend. We don't play the weekend coming because obviously it's international break, and then we've got the FA Cup. So we got an okayish draw yesterday, and yeah, the FA Cup's got a lot riding on it this season now with the prize money going up yeah. uh, thirty five thousand pound if you win in the third round. So a couple of years ago, it was like it was a thousand pounds. So it's uh, keeps you going for a lot longer. Yeah, even in the championship, even in the championship, it's like a massive amount of money, £35,000 just for winning one game. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. And then not much of a break, really, because the academy kind of goes on up till Christmas. I think we've got Youth Cup on on the 18th. Um, So that's like a week before. Well, our last women's game is the 17th. So that's the week before Christmas. And then the 18th is the Youth Cup. And then I think we're done. And then the academy comes back quite early. I think the academy first game is like 5th of January or something. And then the women will be our first league game is 21st of January. But if we win in the FA Cup, the fourth round of the FA Cup is on the 14th of January. So hopefully it's a double-edged sword. Hopefully if we win, we come back early. If we don't, everyone gets an extra week off. So, uh, <laughs> But I think we'd rather have the £35,000 and, and be in the fourth round and yeah, hopefully when your fingers crossed for another good draw, because I think yeah. it's like £55,000 or something. Oh. That you... That's that's a that's a hell of a carrot, as I think they say. It is. It's massive. It's, um, I mean, for the team, like there's, I think there's eight games where they're all, you know, lower league clubs. So you've got eight lower league clubs that are guaranteed 35000 and look on the off chance one of them gets a good draw in the next round. You know, there could be somebody in tier three or tier four taking on, you know, close to a hundred thousand pounds just for two games. So yeah, it's making uh it's making a massive difference. It's probably putting more on the FA Cup than it's putting on the league, to be fair. Yeah. Um, because the prize money in the league between positions is not all that big. But yeah, to know that we could go down to a a team in the league below us, hopefully win and, and take home thirty five thousand pounds just for that one match is yeah, even for clubs like Sheffield United, especially when you're looking at, you know, we're going into the January window. Um, everyone wants to recruit. We're no different. I'm sure we'll be looking to recruit. If you're going in with an extra £35,000 in your back pocket, it's, uh, yeah, you're not going to turn it down. Absolutely not. Well, uh, I wish you all the best of luck. Um, and, yeah, thanks for your thanks for your input over the past year. Um, it's been great to speak with no you problem. as always. Um, and yeah, no just- problem, mate. Just want to wish you wish you a good Christmas and yeah, we'll, we'll speak in the new year when I guess come February, whatever fixtures come our way. Yeah, Christmas still feels a long way away to me. I've not done any. I haven't done any Christmas shopping. But join the club. Join the club. They sneak up these days. <laughs> I know. Rich, thanks for your time as always. No problem, mate.
there was the sad news that on Saturday the 25th of November, former England player and manager Terry Venables passed away at the age of 80. From many England fans of a certain age, they will have grown up with that team of Euro 96, managed by Terry. A team that had us purring, wins over Scotland and the Netherlands, and oh, so nearly against the Germans. He was at the helm just at the right time, following a disastrous few years for the national team, a not qualifying for the 94 World Cup, He instilled a new belief in the team, the players, the fans and indeed the nation. As a player, he was very London-based, representing Chelsea, Tottenham, QPR and Crystal Palace. And he'd go on to manage three of them, except Chelsea. And his peaks in club management were certainly with Barcelona and Tottenham. But he also took QPR to the cup final in 1982. As England manager, he oversaw 24 matches, of which only five were competitive, which was basically Euro 96, as we didn't need to qualify for that. But prior to that tournament, he managed 19 friendlies, which did take into account the abandoned game against the Republic of Ireland. But in total, his his record was good, winning 11, drawing 12, and only losing once to Brazil in the 1995 Umbro Cup. Back in May of this year, I released an episode in the occasional series on England managers. Uh, I'd done it along with Glenn Isherwood from England Football Online. We spoke about Terry's career and all the things that came with it. It can be found... Uh, at threelinespodcast.com or your podcast provider of choice. It's episode 260. It's a good listen, even if I do say so myself. He was a man of many strings to his bow, Terry Venables, a writer, a singer, a businessman too. If you get the opportunity to read his autobiography, then then I'd highly recommend it. It's, it's really interesting. It gives a real insight into what his life was like. I know at the, the Wembley game, uh, the Lionesses against the Dutch, there is to be um, a period of remembrance um, for Terry Venables. I'd like to express my condolences to both his family and friends. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you also to Rich Laverty for joining us. I'll be back with you very soon with an episode about a player whose story needs to be told and listened to to be believed. And I'll also be with you looking back on these two games for the Lionesses. Can they progress to the Nations League finals? We will have to wait and see. If you're going to either of the games, be it the Dutch at Wembley or Scotland at Hampden, enjoy it. Safe journey to you and I'll be back with you very soon. Until then, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.